This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Friday, February 3rd, 2023. In case you hadn't heard, Gabe Wrench, the water boy, won his federal case yesterday against the city of Moscow. If you hadn't seen the episode where the guys talk about it on the show, and Gabe's lawyers on the show as well, you can go find it on our app, our social media pages, YouTube. Just go find it. In fact, I've got it already linked in today's show notes for you. Another reminder. Our conference page for the Ark Encounter, October 11th through the 14th, is live. Head on over to FightLaughFeast.com, and you can sign up and reserve your spot today. If you're a club member, you'll also get a discount on your ticket pricing. That's on top of our early bird pricing, by the way. That's some math I can get behind. Early bird pricing ends May 1st. So again, sign up right now at FightLaughFeast.com. Look forward to partying with you all at the Ark Encounter. Antifa claims responsibility for attack on far-left Portland Bar in retaliation for them spreading COVID by staying open. Members of Rose City Antifa have taken credit for vandalism that occurred at a worker-owned Portland bar in the early hours of January 29th. In a communique posted to Rose City Counter Info on January 31st, the group stated that the vandalism was carried out by disabled anarchists. Yes, you read that right. Disabled anarchists targeted the workers' tap because of how this bar inherently operates with unmitigated COVID spread. Quote, in the early hours of January 29th, some disabled anarchists attacked workers tapped by tagging it and damaging a window. Due to the bulletproof glass, the window's damage would only consist of small dents, the statement read. The group said that phrases and symbols like the anarchists, A and 161, calls out that it was fascist forces whom originally paved the way of COVID as a genocide since April 2020 through the blood of primarily black and indigenous disabled people, a road of bones which now many liberals and able anarchist goose stomp on a collaboration with the fascists to maintain a normal for keeping bars and other viral friendly entertainment operating at the expense of disabled lives additionally the bar was tagged with covid kills twice to address how this bar inherently operates with unmitigated covid spread murdering disabled people in the process the statement continue on to say that the act was carried out in retaliation to the event organizers in the anarchist scene who contribute to the covid pandemic pandemic by organizing super spreader gatherings in the end led to more disabled people dying in Multnomah County where Portland is located the number of new COVID-19 cases has remained under 1,000 since July the most recent data shows that in the last week of January there were just 275 cases 31 of those cases required hospitalization this is down from a spike seen over the summer with 3,180 cases recorded and dramatically lower than the Omicron spike seen last winter with 11 1,373 cases being recorded at its peak. This according to county data. The workers tap the bar targeted by the vandalism is a worker-owned and operated beer bar in Portland, Oregon. The bar required proof of vaccination to enter the establishment. According to its website, quote, our business is run democratically and operates um, profits rather are split amongst our members end quote well it sounds like the just the kind of place Antifa would want to hang out so some friendly fire there. Moving on Ihan Omar removed from Foreign Affairs Committee. On Thursday, Minnesota Representative Ian Omar, who has been a, who has a long history of anti-Semitic remarks, was removed from her position 
on the House of Foreign Affairs Committee in a 218 to 211 party line vote. Fox News correspondent Chad Peregrim tweeted the House has voted to remove Rep. Yan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. The vote was 218 to 211 with one member voting present. In November, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said he intended to remove Omar due to her history of anti-Semitic comments. Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries acknowledged this history on Thursday and said Rep. Omar certainly has made mistakes. She has used anti-Semitic tropes. Omar was elected to Congress in 2018 and in her long history of using anti-Semitic tropes has compared the boycotting of the Jewish state of Israel to the boycotting of Nazis. A move to remove Omar began in 2021 after the Democratic-led Congress removed GOP Rep. Majority Taylor Greene from her committee assignments. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jones John Pierre said in the press conference that the removal was a political stunt and a disservice to the American people. Republicans just voted to oust Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee over past anti-Semitic comments. What is the White House and the president's response or thoughts? So I have I, clearly you said they just it just occurred. So I haven't seen that. Uh, what we believe is Congresswoman o- Omar is highly respected member of Congress. Uh, she has apologized for her comments she made in the past. I think she was most recently uh, uh, did an, an extensive interview about this on Sunday, I believe, on CNN and has been vocal about condemning anti-Semitism as well as affirming our strong alliance and important partnership with Israel. Uh, Look, the way that we see this, it's a political stunt, uh, much like House Republicans' unjust unjust removal of other leading Democrats from key committees uh, in recent weeks, and it is a disservice to the American people. New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said on the House floor, this is about targeting women of color, and slammed her notepad on the lectern. Don't tell me that this is about an abdic- a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks when you have a member of the Republican caucus who, have, who has talked about Jewish space lasers and an, an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened. Thank you. Not only is Omar out, but Biden's top economic advisor is out. President Joe Biden announced Thursday morning his top economic advisor, Brian Deese, is leaving his position at the White House. Deese served as Biden's National Economic Council director since taking office in January 2021. Deese's departure comes as economists warn the U.S. is headed into a recession this year. As the head as the head of the NEC, Deese repeatedly claimed Biden's inflation crisis was transitory and advocated for massive federal government spending by Democrats. CBS's Margaret Brennan pressed Deese over Biden's lie that the inflation was transitory and solely due to Putin's war. So a number of um, economists, I want to put up a a chart of inflation here for our audience to see, um, measured by the Consumer Price Index. So from the beginning of the pandemic through now, and as you can see, the tick up began a good year before the war in Ukraine began. A number of economists, including at the San Francisco Fed, have said that the tremendous fiscal spending that went underway, the $6 trillion in two years, did add to that, including, as you can see right on there, the $2 trillion uh, that the Biden administration pushed through in the spring of, of 2021. So when people look at that and they say, well, the White House told us why that inflation would be transitory. The White House told us we could go through with this kind of spending and we'd be fine. Even when Democrats within your own party were warning this would add to inflation. How do you win credibility here to the public and say this time we're not wrong? Well, 
It, you just have to look around the world today to recognize that the two principal drivers of inflation are the pandemic and Putin. We're seeing this everywhere. It is a global phenomenon. As I mentioned, in the UK, inflation's hit 9%. Right. In Europe, it's hit over... Those are the things you can't control. I'm talking about the things you can. Absolutely. So and how we, do you win that credibility back? Well, if we look at the things that we can control... We win credibility by taking action. This president is acting. Meanwhile, White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain officially left his position on Wednesday. So some shakeup in the White House. Moving on, transgender inmate who committed kidnapping murder transferred to women's prison. A biological male tr- prisoner who began identifying as a transgender woman and has a history of violence against women was reportedly transferred from a men's prison in Kansas to a woman's prison this week. The inmate, who was last known as Thomas Lamb, was convicted of kidnapping and killing a young woman in 1969 and kidnapping a second woman in 1970, according to News 13. In 2007, Thomas Lamb changed his name to Michelle. In years that followed, Lamb reportedly requested to be moved to a woman's facility. This request, however, was denied. But records obtained by News 13 now show that Lamb was moved to a woman's prison this month. In 2017, a U.S. District Court ruled against Lamb in a lawsuit asking the state to transfer him. The document has it as her, but it's him. Let's go with that. To an all-female facility and allow him to pursue gender reassignment surgery. An appeals court upheld the ruling in 2018, stating that although it was not the treatment Lamb might want, evidence showed he was being provided treatment for gender dysphoria and the state was not showing deliberate indifference to his situation. However, Kansas Department of Corrections records show he was transferred January 27th to Topeka Correctional Facility. While it is not known if Lamb will be allowed to go forward with a gender reassignment surgery, 13 News asked KDOC Public Affairs Director Randall Bowman whether the state would pay for the procedure if he did. Bowman would not comment on Lamb's case specifically. Quote, healthcare decisions are not made by KDOC officials, Bowman said. Due to the patient privacy concerns, KDOC and the governor's office cannot comment on the specifics of medical care for any one individual. End quote. Not so long ago, the American dream was alive and well. And with stories like the one I just listed, uh, it doesn't seem, it seems pretty far off. Employees who worked hard were rewarded, and employers looked for people who could do the job, not for people who had the right political views. Redballoon.work is a job site designed to get us back to what made American businesses successful free speech, hard work, and having fun. If you are a free speech employer who wants to hire employees who focus on their work and not identity politics, then post a job on Red Balloon. If you're an employee who's being censored at work or is being forced to comply with the current zeitgeist, post your resume on Red Balloon and look for a new job. Redballoon.work, where f- the job site where free speech is still alive. Redballoon.work. Now it's time for my favorite topic, sports. And this is a big one. Tom Brady announces his retirement for good from the NFL. He said the same thing last year, but this one seems legit. Brady, aged 45, is widely considered to be the best ever to play his position and potentially the greatest NFL star of all time. Following a 23-year career that saw him go to 15 Pro Bowls, win five league MVP awards, his accolades are so far-reaching that his name fills the record books. He leaves the game as an all-time leader in completions, 7,753 yards, 89,214 
and touchdowns, 649. After winning six titles playing for Coach Bill Belichick in New England, Brady mulled retirement before signing with Tampa Bay in 2020. He would go on to win his seventh Super Bowl in his first year for the Buccaneers. There, he would be reunited with his old Patriot partner in crime, Rob Gronkowski. Unfortunately for Brady and the Bucks, the last two seasons have been a bit of a downward spiral. They captured the woeful NFC South, but at 8-9. They didn't look like they had a prayer in advancing in the postseason, and they were bounced by the Dallas Cowboys, the Waterboys team, in the opening round, 31-14. to The team looked old and tired, even their forever young signal caller. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort, and I know it's hard for you guys too. It's hard for us players to make it through, and you guys got a tough job, and I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support. and. Um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I love this organization. It's a great place to be, and thank you, everybody, for welcoming me, all you regulars, and um, just very grateful for the respect, and I uh, hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. Brady certainly was no slouch during the regular season as he threw for 4,694 yards and 25 touchdowns. And that, that's all at the age of 45, ladies and gentlemen. However, he already half-heartedly put off retirement last year to return for one more round. And I would argue that he should have retired last year to go be with his family and work on his marriage. He famously announced he was quitting, had a flirtation with joining the Miami Dolphins organization, and finally acquiesced to returning to Tampa for 2022. But the fatigue and frustration were already there, and the whispers grew into full-fledged gossip as the season progressed. This looked more and more like it was Tom Brady's final season, at least in Tampa. Now he's confirmed that he won't be playing for anyone in 2023, Brady is, as he puts it into his own words, retiring for good this time. In his farewell video, the future NFL Hall of Famer was, as usual, reserved and reminiscent. Like so many of his famous fourth-quarter comebacks, he tried to stay calm and cool in the moment. Still, Tom Brady couldn't hide a hint of emotion as he bid farewell to those who helped him on his epic journey. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first, so I uh, won't be long-winded. Like you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year, so I uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors, uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. When his story is eventually written, Brady's will be about an unlikely hero who rose to the level of royalty. He ascended to heights never before reached, all while coming from nearly bottom of the heap. He was famously picked 199th overall in the 2000 draft by the Patriots, behind six other quarterbacks. During his rookie campaign, he played in only one game and didn't exactly look like a future great. The University of Michigan product finished the season having only gone one for three for six yards. In 2001, a serious injury to franchise quarterback Drew Bledsoe, former Washington State Coug, would necessitate the start of Brady's era in New England. 
What followed was the greatest run that any quarterback, head coach, or franchise would ever embark on in NFL history. After upsetting the dominant St. Louis Rams and the greatest show on turf in the Super Bowl, the next 17 years were like a whirlwind. What New England was able to accomplish in the 2000s and 2010s not only superseded anything ever seen in the NFL, it rivaled story franchises from any sport in any era. The Murderers Row, the Murderers Row Yankees of the 1920s, Major League Baseball, or NHL's Montreal Canadiens from the 1950s to 1970s come to mind, but that's about it. The numbers alone put up by Brady and his teams over the years are astronomical. When Joe Montana retired as the gold standard of Super Bowl QBs, he had four rings. Tom Brady has almost twice that many, and he's played in a whopping 10 title games. The ability to stay healthy and play that well for so many years will likely never be seen by sports fans again. To say that Brady's departure from a league where he will always be a figurehead is hard to overstate. His mark on the NFL and the game of football is unparalleled, and his track record of winning is nearly unfathomable. His road to Canton is literally paved in gold. As one of his successors in signal calling, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes said of the GOAT, it is special to see the things that he has done in this league, the way he was able to change the position, the longevity of great success. That's the crazy part. Looking at his career, he has never really had a down year. Congrats, Brady, on a great career. Early on, I definitely wasn't a fan of Brady. I was more of a Peyton Manning guy, but it's hard not it's hard to knock him after all that he's done for the game and finally it's friday how about a quick feel-good story heading into your weekend amazon driver risks his own safety to rescue a dog from a burning car an amazon driver with a history of helping others while on his route came to the rescue once again when he recently helped spring a dog that had become trapped inside a burning vehicle on the evening of january 23rd Irvin rue a 49 year old amazon driver was heading home after a long day at work he had just assisted a colleague finish his deliveries when he spotted a car on fire on the side of the road in merced about 40 minutes outside his hometown of modesto california rue spotted a man guiding his wife away from the burning vehicle and stopped to see whether he could help rue described the man who at the time had returned to the vehicle and begun attempting to open one of the car doors as distressed so rule pulled pulled over and quickly grabbed the emergency fire extinguisher there we go located in the back of his delivery van quote it didn't look like it was too bad yet but i was just hoping nobody was inside rue said later i just wanted to try and help out if i was able to rue began immediately dousing the flames with the fire extinguisher when the couple appraised him apprised him rather of their main concern our dog is inside one of them shouted our dog is inside sure enough a small chihuahua was trapped in the back of the back seat of the vehicle rue managed to contain the fire enough to unlock the back door so that the man could open it and bring the little pooch to safety once all creatures great and small were out of danger rue called 911 took a quick video of the burning car here's a vehicle in flames i just used the fire extinguisher on it and i got a dog out of the back for the owners and the owners are safe there's nobody inside of it and uh fire fire truck is on its way i called 911 well done rue well done folks that's going to do it for this cross politic daily news brief if you like the show hit that share button for me down below if you want to sign up for a club membership, a magazine subscription, or the Ark Encounter this year, October 11th through the 14th, head on over to FightLaughFeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask about the conference this year, or if you want to become a corporate partner of CrossPolitik, email me at Garrison at FightLaughFeast.com. 
For Cross Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your day, and Lord bless.